episode 190 of the All the Books show recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library where we talk book news, author news, and literary news. I forgot the third thing we talk about. I say it every week. I've you said do. it for 190 episodes. Though at the beginning, I didn't. At the beginning, we didn't even have a title. We really? were the That's untitled, true. We the, were the untitled, untitled, official untitled podcast yeah. of the David A. Howe. Yeah, we yeah. were a mess. Good to know we uh, weren't. We, we did a whole segment. The very first episode, yeah. you and I did a segment where yeah. we were coming up with a sequel for a yeah. book that never got a sequel. Still, That is still a great... Uh, we never revisited it, but it was a great we We did segment. it. We recorded this bit for 20 minutes, and yeah. then we realized 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea did have a sequel. It has a couple of sequels, yeah. <laughs> so we just had to yeah. cut the whole thing out. It was such a waste. Yeah. So anyway. But we learned. Yeah. We learned uh, something. We also day. do author interviews. That's true. We've been on a hot streak lately. Yeah. Uh, this week, we're pleased to wel- welcome... Me? No, well, no me. I just was you. You oh, set you it want, up. Okay, I wanted ahead. you to do it take again. it. Do it again. We're pleased to welcome Martha Wells. Martha Wells, uh, recently nominated for the Hugo again. Yeah. Yeah. She's been Lovely. nominated and won um, yeah. in the past as well. As and so we were. Uh, we had a great chat with her. So we're going to get into yeah. that a little later. We're also going to go over some of the Hugo nominations. We're not going to dive too deeply into that because we'll do a real uh, in-depth spotlight when, when the winners come Might out. August, but uh, yeah. we'll let you we'll let you know about this right now. So you have some time to read them ahead of time. I'm Eric Mickles. I'm Nick Gunning. Let's get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Here is the uh, the sequel to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea I would like to pitch Woo! you. <laughs> All right. Just kidding. Here we go. All right. Let's open the books. Let's check out the bookmark. Time marks. for the bookmark. See where we are. Bookmark. You, me. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Do it. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm not ready. No, I'm kidding. I'll go first. Mm, okay. Uh, all right. So what did I read this week that is the question <laughs> uh i finished ghost by jason reynolds Ooh. different type of ghost oh uh i read ghost by rainer tegemeyer different different also another different, different type of okay, ghost yeah different uh ghost by jason reynolds this is book one of four i believe of his track series for like a younger audience mm. i had this for our eighth grade book club okay and in retrospect i probably would have used it for the seventh grade oh uh, it just played younger it 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 reads a little bit younger. Okay. It, it's an easier read. It's um, it's a sports one. It's about uh, a boy who, uh, he's kind of got a, a rough life. He joins a track team, okay. starts feeling part of a team, um, and there's um, and there's th- three of the other characters that are part of these newbies on this team. Each get their own book after this, um, but it's not really it's not a complicated read. There's some darker stuff in there, but. It's Sorry, and Jason Reynolds is long way down, right? Long way down. He wrote the Miles other... uh, Morales Spider-Man That's YA right. book. Yeah, I didn't um, get into that. But has yeah. a few other series. So, um, but yeah, it, w- it was good. It was enjoyable. Okay. Uh, it opens with him as a small child. Him and his mom get chased out of the apartment by their dad, mm. uh, who's shooting at them. Wow. And that's how he learned he could run. <laughs> and so... It's a good time to find out. Yeah, there's just, there's just not too much plot in the book huh. um it's just he Burn. he joins the team there's never really there there's some lessons he learns but there's not too much to overcome other than like his own attitude towards it right so uh the kids didn't really re- didn't really like it um but there you go yeah that's too bad yeah what are you reading for seventh grade uh or so seventh grade now we're reading the outsider no we just read the outsiders and now Kwame we're crossover. Crossover. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, for more on that, check out our whole spotlight on Kwame Alexander that yeah. uh, staff member Malik did with us. Malik's going to be back later this month because he's apparently, a yeah, he's got this whole like 
poet yeah. background. He yeah. does competitions, he writes poetry, and, he uh, reads and yeah. writes it. Yeah. So we're all gonna we're gonna talk about a couple different yeah. things later in the month. He's gonna be our ringer since I I am the handicap to our poetry episode. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm no expert. I try to read some every April because yeah. it's poetry month, but mm. it's not a go to for yeah. me. What do April poets bring? Uh, May showers <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i i dropped that Ooh, boy yeah uh all right is that it for you no oh, that was only one book i don't know <laughs> i can't keep track uh i went i read the wild robot uh, by peter brown yes i don't really know why i made you so sad probably because there's a little baby really? in it yeah i mean it's it's a very i don't know yeah i our children's librarian apparently could not handle yeah, it, it, how sad this it book ruined was. kate it's an upsetting book. I mean, the robot just sort of finds himself on an island and doesn't know what to do and then kind of makes a life for itself and mm-hmm. then things start changing. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of like when an animal mm-hmm. is sad because they don't understand what's happening. It's, kind mm-hmm. of, it's the same concept yeah. in there that There's you're that. just like, you just want to go in and just hug yeah. that little robot. There is a sequel, which I've not read yet, mm. but I, I was a fan of the first one. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, again, I was like, oh, here it comes. Here comes the really sad oh, thing. Yeah. And it never really like got too sad. Yeah. You've never seen the uh, Iron Giant. I forgot to take into account that you have a heart of stone. <gasps> heart of steel. Oh. Caves of steel. Steel heart by Brandon <laughs> Sanderson. Oh, yeah. Good one. <laughs> Thank Good you. Pull. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little free association there, free of charge, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I like the wild robot. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to recommend. Who? Uh, I read this to fourth grade. When we did our read across America, yes, I read the first five chapters, yep. and they uh, apparently the whole the teacher informed me the whole class like read and picked up this That's book. That's a straight up miracle. So, I think basically you should just resign. Yeah, I yeah. mean you you've peaked. You yep. know, walk out while you're on top. So, but I mean, so that they're fourth grade, and this it does read pretty young. Yeah. So uh, I think this is a pretty easy yeah, all right for fourth grade. recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids can hear handle this sadness a little bit more than adults with mm. children of their own. Interesting. Uh, all right, I read all new X Men, a bunch of them by Bendis. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing my best to finish all the Bendis X Men I had mm-hmm. so I could be done with it, and my, I did. My memories of that series is that I it started really strong and then was mm-hmm. just kind of like, mm, yeah, I don't no. I don't care for it so much. For people who care or don't care, yeah. too bad. Yeah, tell them my podcast. Tell them it's our podcast. We share it. I informed some people that you and I co-host this equally at a round table. Yeah. We do. Yeah. That's so great. So a round table for two. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm the director of the whole library. Okay. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying for context. I'd like to see what kind of library you can direct without the youth services. Huh. Yeah, let's figure it out. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I misunderstood. Oh, jeez. Um, so uh, Hank McCoy, the beast, yes, the beast. Of, uh, of the present day, yeah. uses time travel to get the original five X-Men mm-hmm. and brings them back to the present yeah, so that maybe they can help... I don't. It's I don't a flawed his, concept. Yeah, it is. I don't know what his plan is. Yeah. And everything. So anyway, this look. I like the classic yeah. team, and I like time travel. So yeah. You know. You know what hurt this even more for Tell me, me besides Bendis's dialogue? Tell me. Is that he's writing X twenty three in this? Oh. And I've read X twenty three books, and she, she like the one thing she do, one thing you have to do with her in those all those other books is she just speaks in complete sentences. Oh. And he doesn't do that. Oh. It's uh, as soon as she started speaking uh, speaking with abbreviations of like. The heck is this? Wow. So I was mad about that. Um, there was a fun trip, I guess, where they hang out with a uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, Miles Morales. That was a fun one. But I think that was actually the first Miles Morales I yeah. read. It it just wasn't great. Uh, can I get yeah. maybe emotional? I don't know. Ooh. Uh, I also I finished. I read a whole bunch of 
other Ultimate books I had to read. Wow. Finished Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, My, Ultimate the, I feel like the Ultimates are like your touchstone. They're yeah. like your... Well, that's why I wanted to I read. You. I read Ultimate End. Oh. Uh, which is like the last five issues of Yowza. the Ultimate Universe right yeah. before Secret Wars destroyed them. Uh-huh. Uh, when I first got into comics, yeah. it was I was reading like older issues of the X-Men from like mm-hmm. the 70s. Mm-hmm. But I was it was right around the time where I could buy all of what was out of Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Spider-Man and then like keep up with them and the Ultimates. And I had those on like subscriptions. So every month I got like the new issue in the mail and I loved them. And I, I read them for a while and I stopped because this, the whole uh, line kind of took a down, uh, a downward Mm -hmm. spiral, but I got back into it and realized there had been some good stuff. I liked Robert Kirkman's Ultimate X-Men. Anyway, this is all to say I Ultimates was very important to me, mm-hmm. and I liked a lot of stuff in there. And I still hand Ultimate X Men over to people if they're like, "I want to read X Men. What's a good thing?" I'm like, "Here you go." Interesting. Um, but this ending is just so nothing. Oh, it's just so. That's it's, not where I thought we were headed. No, right, yeah, so I was it's not just. Prepared. It's incredibly embarrassing. Of a, it's it's such a whimper of an ending for something that was pretty important for Marvel, mm-hmm. for myself, for lots of readers. Yeah. Um. I mean, the move, the MCU movies owe a lot to the Ultimate Universe in That's general. True. Uh, the Avengers movie is basically, uh, the first, uh, the second run where the team just joins up with Shield and mm-hmm. fights aliens. So. Uh, it's too bad. It's it's sad. I might go back someday and reread like Ultimate X Men and Ultimate Spider Man, but there's mm. definitely points now where I'm like, this is it. I'm stopping yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know what? You know what started with great promise and then promptly became a sloppy mess. Mm. Ultimate Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. I read that whole Not thing, good. and we have it in the collection, folks. There was, so you don't have to take my word for it. There was good stuff in there, but yeah, yeah that was the Bart Burton who said the, that. Oh right. I just yeah. didn't want to take credit yeah. for it. Um. But yeah, Ultimate Fantastic Four never really like soared. So hmm. no, it yeah. didn't. It didn't. Uh, also, I'm reading. Uh, I think I mentioned this before. I'm reading The Lady of the Lake by Andre. Oh boy, Andres uh, Sapkowski. Uh, book five of the Witcher the Witcher. series. So I had started it, but then put it down for a long time. And I just picked it up. Witcher will be having a barbecue. Come over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, JFK having a barbecue with the Witcher. The Witcher's next door. Yeah, the, the Witcher. Neighbor, yeah, yeah. Come on up to Hyannisport. <laughs> we will be having a barbecue. We will be happy to have you. <laughs> Me Witcher is Sue Witcher. <laughs> That's what I, I would say. I don't, um, I don't know. I've had a lot of Sour Patch Kids cereal, and I'm just having, <laughs> I'm uh, also. I finished season two of The Wire. Oh, so yeah, there you go. America's yeah. greatest television yeah. show. About, about ten years everything. too late. Welcome. Oh. Welcome mm. to the party. This is 2003. Yeah. I think season two is. So a lot of people in it. Okay. Holly from The Office. Mm-hmm. She's on it yeah. in the second mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. That might be it. Okay. But no, there's a lot of other You're people. not really selling it, but okay. Uh, no, it's good. It's just, it's a show that never really like, it doesn't do anything bombastic or showy. Mm. It's not a showy series. It's it's just good and it's just thoughtful and like dialogue isn't there to like waste time or anything hmm. so it's beloved yeah the show is like cherished yeah it's it's just not like if you watch there's no, there's not like crazy there's action moments there's gunshots but it's never done in a way to be like exciting i guess wow. you know what i mean wow. if it no if there's gunshots if there's like there was a gunfight between uh two gangs mm-hmm. in one of the episodes and it's not done uh 
in a way that make you go like, oh, this is this is an action packed episode. It's to show you like this is this is bad. Okay. The people shooting are just shooting wildly. There are there are like victims who are just like in their house who get shot through the window. Mm. And it's just to show you that like uh like this stuff is real and not necessarily uh you know visceral right. exciting right. i don't know what i'm trying to say um it. but yeah it, it, the the people they're trying to go after in the second season aren't necessarily as exciting as the first season mm. uh but there's some sad stuff that happens so anyway second season of the wire yeah there it is join me in I don't... 20 uh 2019 oh this is 20 join me in 2020 for my review of the Shield. Season three of The Shield. <laughs> wow. No, okay. I, I'm not going to watch The Shield. I think you better. My dad loves The Shield. Oh, really? If that counts for That's anything. That's with uh, The thing. The Shield and The Honeymooners. Not together. Right. It's just those are two of his favorites. I don't okay. Know. The Thing is in that, right? The What's Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Chiklis? Chiklis. He's yeah. Shield, yeah. Also from The Commish. He seems like a very... He was in The Commish. ...exhausting actor to watch. Huh. Every I, He's on Gotham, <sighs> and whenever he's on, I'm like, I get it. You're tough. You got Boy, a gravelly voice. Shock jock over here. <laughs> Look out. You're right. Here I am critiquing. I don't want to get in the crossfires <laughs> of this. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell us what you're doing? I'm afraid you'll yell at me. What? Uh, okay. Sure. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to start because it is Poetry Month. And so we'll, we'll start with Uncle Nick's Poetry Corner because I read two collections. Are you Uncle Nick in this situation? In this situation, I am, yes. And I actually do have nephews and nieces, so I come by it naturally. They don't call you Uncle Tim? Uh, no, they don't. It's insane. Nobody does. Uh, I read two collections. One by my pal Joyce Carol Oates called Love and Its Derangements. Do you think she'd be happy if she found out you're just telling people she's your pal? Yeah. Okay. I think she'd be fine with it. All right. We had a good time. That's true. I bought her a tuna sandwich. Yes. Have you bought Joyce Carol Oates a tuna sandwich? No. Then slow your roll. I was at her speaking engagement. Did you talk to her? No. Then slow your roll. (laughs) My wife did. (laughs) You're right. She did. She did. Uh, Anyway. Love and Its Derangements by Joyce Carol Oates, uh, an early poetry collection from her. She has, I want to say, 10 collections of poetry, mm-hmm. as well as plays, novellas, short stories, full-length novels. And these are happy poems? Blow your mind. About, like, dear... Um, some of them actually were. Some oh, really? of them were very nice, like, relationship kind okay. of uh, poems. Uh, not my favorite collection by hers. I've read a couple. Uh, so far, my favorite would be Women Whose Lives Are Food, Men Whose Lives Are Money. Hmm. That's another collection that she's done. But this was pretty good. I, I just I like her I like her style. Hmm. Sometimes it makes you want to dig Shout. a hole and just <laughs> oh, yeah. cover my ears and be like, "There is happiness somewhere Kendra in the world." Is reading this her was book, not uh, dismember, Gee. and it's like dismember, no. and even the word dismember is split into three. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God! No. I read High Crimes Area, which was another like oh. this is a spooky collection. Was it? It was. What was the one that had upsetting. like the doll face? Oh yeah, dolls will creep yes, you out under your I bed and other stories or something called? yeah uh night johns I yeah okay uh anyway so i read doll that maker? one i liked it doll maker yeah maybe it was doll maker oh. i like that one uh-huh. i also read the poet x by elizabeth acevedo so this has won so many awards mm-hmm. won the prince award we were there we were yeah <gasps> Yeah, so this this has been a very popular work. It uh, similar to the to the um, Kwame Alexander books crossover and the like. It is a novel written in poetry mm-hmm. format. Uh, it's different. It was um, it was I thought the way it treated the female protagonist and like what she was going through was kind of atypical for how um, girls in YA mm-hmm. tend to be represented. So right. uh, I have to give it props for that. Kind of a slow start. By the end, I was interested, but it took a while. Okay. So we'll talk more about it. In depth we have the audio book as well. 
Actually, I listened to a lot of it on audio, and it is read by the author. That, well, she does a good okay. job. She does a good job. Right. So that's it for poetry this no, it's week. No, not. I've got... Uh, those, that's what I've read. Oh. Uh, next, I'm going to be reading Ash and Ember by James Zoller. Uh, Jim did a poetry reading here a couple years back. He's mm-hmm. also come to talk about uh, Banned Books Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got. A I was in his class. I know. That's right. You were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got. A, I read a couple of his collections. My favorite of his that I've read so far is Simple Clutter. Mm. Uh, I like that one a lot. It's in our collection. It's on our poetry display. If you're interested mm-hmm. in that. Uh, let's see. In other non-poetry news, mm-hmm. I read a play called Dear Ruth by Norman Krasda. This was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, a little teenage girl who starts writing, writing to herself and gives it. To someone else and people think she's friends with that person. I think that's Dear Evan Hansen right. that you're describing. Go on. No, this is about a girl who is writing, uh, sending like poetry and things mm-hmm. to a soldier overseas and pretending to be her big sister. Ah. And then Ooh. the guy shows up and is like, I'm here. Let's get married. And the big sister's like, say what? So I liked it. It was pretty funny. What? The little sister is the one writing the letters, signing it as her older adult sister. Oh. So the soldier shows up and is like... Where's Ruth? You know, right. she's like, I'm here. Who are you? And he's right. like, JK, we're getting married. Okay. It's fun. You made it sound like Hilarious she was Seuss. his little sister or big sister. His little sister does come to visit, but they are not in love. No, I know. I'm just saying that's what you said. It, the way you said it, it was confusing. Dis- so now I understand. Disagree. Okay. Is it a comedy? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh. It's pretty funny. Is it a dramedy? No, I think it's a straight up comedy. I got it oh, from our collection. Straight we up. have we have quite a collection of scripts. Yeah, that's true. Musical librettos and scripts down in the stack. So if you're ever looking, mm-hmm. look no further than the David A. Howe Public Library. Or uh, your local library if you're in like California. <laughs> those turds. Just kidding. <gasps> Libraries are great. Go to any library. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. I finished Anonymous Girl by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Peckinen. Now, as you recall, their first book, The Wife Between Us, I loved. The wife I thought it was between. a very twisty, fun yeah. thriller. Uh, I I didn't know what was happening. Some people are like, I knew right away. I didn't. So in this one, but anonymous oh, no, girl no. did not do it for me. I'm sorry. This is about uh, a 20 something girl who is looking for cash, basically, mm-hmm. and slips into this psychological study, and then of course mm. things get deeper and deeper. Get crazy. But I thought it was all very predictable, and mm-hmm. like it got to the end, and I was like, well, yeah. did I just watch a Lifetime movie? I didn't. Snap. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I could use some extra cash. Do you think I should sign up for one of these studies? Like this one? Yeah, maybe. Really? Like this yeah. one? All right. I read a Smallville novel called Speed by yeah. Jeff Gottsfeld and Cherie Bennett. This was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. This was, I mean, it's an older book, obviously, because it was when Smallville was <laughs> sure, yeah. on. Lana and Lex are both on the cover. But it all, like, it dealt with, like, race relations. Oh, wow. And they're, do, they're do, hold, doing, like, a multicultural festival in mm-hmm. Smallville and people, like, not liking it. And it was just interesting because n- they never they never really dealt with social issues in the show. No. So it was, it was what, interesting to what? see those characters, like grapple with that right so i was impressed i was impressed that they they were they managed to do that that it was approved that they mm-hmm. do that D- you you say that but didn't they do an episode where lana was turned into a vampire they did yes so yeah they were covering some important issues at right. the time you're right if your loved one turns into a vampire <laughs> <laughs> was that when they were dating uh yeah oh, cool. it was yeah that's during the college yeah. month all right a uh, former cast member of smallville just pled guilty to a crime I don't think we want to get into that. Okay, but former I friend actually, I didn't realize that that was the yeah, case. But yeah. you can you can Google that, folks. <laughs> uh, I finished a couple of graphic novels. This first one, I I I don't. It was garbage. I'm sorry. Oh snap! But it's terrible. 
It is Supergirl, The Silver Age, Volume 1. And let me tell you why it's terrible. Okay? Here we go. Here we go. About yeah. to be, about to be, have it all explained by Uncle Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back in your poetry yeah. corner. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Uncle Nick's on a tear. Listen, folks. <laughs> Superman, only surviving person Krypton. from Krypton. Yeah. Sure. Supergirl shows up, right? Uh-huh. And she's like, great. My whole family's dead. Your whole family's dead. But now we have each other. And he's like, yeah, great. Go to an orphanage. <laughs> And he sends Supergirl to live in an orphanage right. because he's afraid that like people will figure out that he's really Clark Kent. Uh huh. And so he just sends her to an orphanage. This teenage girl whose right. entire family and entire world has been right. killed. Right. And he's like, "Go live in an orphanage, right?" Uh-huh. And then he's also like, "And also, you're not allowed to get adopted, uh-huh. right?" So people come and they're like, "Oh, she seems so nice. Let's adopt her." And she's like, "Oh no, these people are going to adopt me, and then Superman will be mad at me." So then she has to make the people think that she's like terrible she sure. has to do like all these things that make the people be like we would never adopt a spoiled little brat like you and then she <laughs> goes off and like cries and superman's like one day you'll be able to reveal yourself and that is the entire collection <laughs> that's the entire collection oh, superman just being like uh oh maybe this time and then she does something and he's like no you're not ready back to the orphanage how will one when, time one of these Something happens, uh-huh. and she goes and, and prevents it. And Superman's like, people could have seen you. You are banished from Earth. And he banishes her from Earth. Okay? Right. <laughs> Superman. Yeah. All right? Yeah. This was the worst <laughs> collection I have ever read. And I love Supergirl, uh-huh. and I love Silver Age comics, uh-huh. but these need to go back to like whatever pit 50s? they were in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Supergirl was introduced in like 59. So 59... Wow. Yes. 1959. I know that. And w- think back to what we were just saying with Mary Marvel. Yeah. Mary Marvel solo comics in the 40s. Yeah. She's just like, what up? I'm Mary Marvel. You're a murderer. Bam. Punch, Punch yeah. him right in the face. You yeah. know? And no Billy Batson being like, get back to the orphanage, Mary Marvel. <laughs> well, he was an orphan himself. I know. So, <laughs> jeez. That'd be rough. Yeah. So. The very last issue in this collection, Superman's like, okay, now we can tell people that you exist. The end. So well, I never nice. saw a single. Right. This was so bad and so Ooh. stupid. Sorry, Supergirl. Sorry that Superman made you live in an orphanage. Yeah, and made it seem like it was her fault. <laughs> Next, I read. <laughs> He's so toxic. He is. He is very toxic. That's terrible. Nobody left this thing looking good. Yeah. Nobody came. What out about of Jimmy this. Olsen? Jimmy Olsen wasn't in it. You know who worked? The mermaids. Wow. There was a couple yeah. episodes where Supergirl was hanging out with the mermaids. Uh-huh. And that was fine because right. they knew who she was. But, so you think oh Jimmy also like dodged a bullet? Yeah, Jimmy. He, he was in every other book, but he's like, oh, I think I'm going to pass. Jimmy doesn't need this kind of. <laughs> no, yeah, no he right. doesn't. I read By Night, a new graphic novel by the folks who write uh, Giant Days. Giant Days. And it was very much okay. Okay. Nothing like a beloved character shoving a teenager into an orphanage after <laughs> her family dies, but it was just, it was just, it was like interesting premise. Doesn't Superman have parents who have an empty house i think at this point the kents maybe were dead oh. in the comics continuity okay. i he can't killed remember. them so I that people didn't <laughs> connect him yeah. as superman I, I don't know i don't right. i don't understand but anyway uh written by the, the folks who do giant days john allison john allison mm-hmm. and it's about two people who discover a portal into like a spooky mm. alternate dimension right uh, the dialogue is good. Mm-hmm. The premise is interesting. The story is not. Okay. So I, I was, when I saw this and who it was connected by, I was hoping it was like a spinoff of uh, Giant Days because one of the characters starts staying up s- super late and starts seeing that like night 
world has a whole different vibe than regular and everybody's always like night be with you and it's hilarious and i was hoping maybe this was like a but this isn't this has nothing to do with giant days no okay not that i mean i've only read volume one of giant days so if there was a crossover character i didn't catch it all right um this is probably not something that i would check out again yeah i got this as a freebie from the the folks over at boom at the ala convention sorry boom yeah thank you boom though yep Boom Studios sent me a whole bunch of graphic novels to give away during a charity stream I'm doing. They did. So. Would you like to talk more about your charity stream? While you're I can do it at the end. Okay. Or when we get closer to okay. the charity stream, I suppose. All right. So uh, that, I finished that. Uh-huh. And now I'm currently reading uh, Trunk Music by Michael Connolly. This is a Harry Bosch book. Mm-hmm. And I like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that how you're going to do reviews from now on? Uh, maybe. Or right. I sing it a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Do you see any movies? Did I see any movies? Yeah. Uh, yes, Eric, I did. Thank you for asking me. No problem. I saw the film Dumbo by a new filmmaker named Timothy Burton. No. No? No, he's not new. Oh. Nor he's... does that really work. Oh, okay. Everybody knows who he's he is. He's been around for a long time. Yes. Tim Burton's Dumbo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you shouldn't. Now it made it sound like you called Tim Burton Dumbo. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I saw Dumbo. Uh-huh. Uh, I love the classic Disney Dumbo. Mm-hmm. I love Michael Keaton. Do you really? Uh, you like the original Dumbo? I do. I always I have. There's not a lot. Okay, go on. It's short. It's gonna, like 60 yeah. minutes. It's very short. Yeah. This one, I don't know. My wife and I were kind of stumped by it when we left because uh, I think Keaton is great. Mm-hmm. I think Danny DeVito is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both kind of like play with the personas that you kind of expect from them. Neither mm-hmm. one of them is just kind of doing a straight like there's Michael Keaton being Michael Keatony. Um, they have elements of that. So you mm-hmm. get to like Keaton shows up and it's uh, the first scene with him is just great. Like mm-hmm. it was worth it just for that. Hmm. But then they kind of like twist it for both of them. Then they're not doing a, a straight take. Uh, Colin Farrell plays a character who uh, his, his wife had died and he comes back from the war. Is he like missing... Timothy Mouse? The Timothy kind Mouse of, character? kind of. Yeah. Uh, he comes back missing an arm. He's got two kids mm-hmm. and he's, they're like, well, you can't really do your act anymore. So you're just going to take care of the elephants. All right. Water so that's sort elephant, of, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the little circus kind of gets big and then it goes on to a bigger thing. Um, and it just, it never quite solidifies into mm-hmm. what you want. Like it's not boring, but it's just a shade above boring at times. Huh. It feels long. It mm-hmm. doesn't really feel like, it's not really like fantastical. It's not really creepy. Um, you think like Tim Burton doing the pink elephant scene is like, of course, it's a natural. Right. And it was just so underwhelming. Mm. So I don't know. Uh, I think I enjoyed it. There okay. are lots of things about it that I liked, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely didn't deliver on the level that I wanted it to. Poor Dumbo. I don't know that like kids would be particularly interested in it I because don't know there's what kids like anymore. There's not really enough Dumbo. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that they set up, you know, like the dad not being able to uh, do his his uh, his, his horse trick. horse right. riding show, you know, it never really goes anywhere. You know, mm. there's, there's a lot of things like that where you think, oh, this is going to pay off, and then it doesn't. Right. So, all right, I don't know. Sorry, uh, man. And then I stumbled on an album. Okay, wish you were here, by uh, Pink Floyd. That's not what it's called. That is what it's that called. That is what it's yeah. called. Sorry, okay, I was just you gave me a crazy yeah. look. So I have been historically not a Pink Floyd fan, but I yeah. stumbled yeah. on this pile of Painfully. records at a Goodwill, and it just had crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. So I got a bunch of it for ninety nine cents, including three Pink Floyd albums, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give it a listen. Okay. I listened to the whole thing, and I loved it. Mm. I don't think it's one that would work so well just like picking out sections. I feel like it's best served just to like sit down and listen to it as an album. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Uh, Wish You Were Here is probably the 
most i mean it is a single you hear it on the radio that's probably like the, I mean, the yeah, track the yeah. track yes yeah you definitely couldn't just listen to uh shine on you crazy diamond right right and just that's it yeah so especially because it resolves later but so. i think as like a, as a whole yeah you know if you look at it as one piece of work mm-hmm. i was really impressed with it i liked it a yeah lot. man yeah that's all is that how does that rate in your pink floyd uh wish you were here was my favorite one really? uh and still might be but that's because the the question is, is there because i first i didn't really like dark side of the moon but i have i it, it hit one day and i was like oh dark side of the moon is the best hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I also yeah. got the wall and animals. Mm. How do you think I'm going to feel about those? Uh, the wall's weird. Okay. I don't think you'll like the wall. Okay. The wall. Well, Roger, I just couldn't pass it up. Roger Waters starts taking more control mm-hmm. of some stuff and his style isn't so much like, uh, wish you were here. Okay. And when he's like in full control. Yeah. The wall's weird. The wall's ro- long. Uh, but it has uh, Comfortably Numb, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Okay. So, and, Anyway, uh, it, it made me a fan of that album. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Animals is a little bit more political. Oh. So, you, uh, but there's some good stuff in it. Okay. So they use, a, when I saw Roger Waters live, there was a lot of, a uh, lot more animals material in there than I thought. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, wish you were here. Great album. Okay. So. Uh, would you like to turn it over to some, uh, talk about some Hugo Awards? Let's do it. So before we get to talking uh, to Martha Wells, we're going to tell you a little bit about some of the things that were nominated this Ooh. year. So why don't you kick us off, Eric? Why Where? Don't you tell us some of the things. Where? HugoAwards.org? No, I know. What, what should we start with? I don't know. Whatever you like. Let's save All Best right. Novel for last. All right. We are at the HugoAwards.org. We'll the, uh, the nominations come out, which means the winners are picked around August. Um, and as Nick said, we'll get more in depth. So this is probably more of a just a... A, what am I trying to say? A list. Just, yeah, a just, a, just so. a brief overview yeah. in case any of these things sound interesting. You want to pick them up before yeah. the awards drop. So you got Best Short Story, The Court Magician by Sarah Pinsker, The Rose McGregor Drinking and Admiration Society by T. Kingfisher. Uh, you got The Secret Lives of the Nine Negro Teeth of George Washington by P. Thijali Clark. You got Stet by Sarah Gailey. The Tale of the Three Beautiful Raptor Sisters and the Prince Who Was Made of Meat Eek. by Brooke Boland. Man, aren't we all made of meat, though? Yeah. When you think about it, you don't you don't want to be one hundred percent meat That's if true. you're hanging out with raptor sisters. I, I want to know: Are these raptor sisters birds of prey sisters or like velociraptor sisters? Mm, that does that, change things. That changes that that, show, that changes change how things. interested I am. Yes, in it. it does. Uh, a Witch's Guide to Escape: A Practical Compendium of Portal Fantasies by Alex E. Harrow. So mm. those are the best short stories. Uh, a lot of them get printed in uh, magazines or yeah. Uh, quite often you can find the short stories mm-hmm. for free. Yeah. online. Yep, they they can be online. Um, best novelette. Uh, which is just a little bit longer than short stories, but still shorter than a novel novella. Yeah. I almost said novella. You did anyway. Uh, if at first you don't succeed, try try again by Zen Xiao. Uh, the Last Banquet of Temporal Confections by Tina Connolly. Nine Last Days on Planet Earth by Daryl Gregory. The Only Harmless Great Thing by Brooke Bolander. The Thing About Ghost Stories by Naomi Kritzer. And When We Were Starless by Simon Heller. Simone Heller. Sorry, Simone. Okay. Would you like me to do novella? Sure. Best novella. Longer than a novelette. Shorter <laughs> than a novel. <laughs> and these include uh, our today's guest, Martha Wells, for Artificial Condition, which is book, book two. Three. Book three. Yeah. Book three of Murderbot. 
Uh, so congratulations on that. Uh, Beneath the Sugar Sky by Sean and McGuire. Binti, The Night Masquerade Ooh. by Nendi Orkafor. The Black God's Drums by T. Jelly Clark. God's Monsters and the Lucky Peach by Kelly Robson. Hmm. The Tea Monster and the Detective by Alette. Tea Master. You're right. A Tea Monster sounds more fun. <laughs> uh, tea Master and the Detective by Alette Bedard. Best novel? Yeah. Best novel. Here we go. The Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Coel. Uh, Record of a Spaceborn Few by Becky Chambers. Revenant Gun by Yoon Ha Lee. Space Opera by Catherine M. Spinning Silver by Nomi Novak. This is the young adult book that is the sequel to, uh, uh-oh, Uprooted, which won the ne- Nebula. Hmm. Okay. Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. Okay. Uh, you know, Artificial Condition is book two in the Murderbot series, not book three. I am book a two. dang fool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you this this is really more like your wheelhouse than mine. Thanks, so man. maybe you'll maybe you'll differ on this. But there was very few that I recognized in here. Uh, let's I see. I don't know if that uh, if that stood Mary out to you. Mary Romanek Kowal has been in the game for quite a while. Okay. Uh, Naomi Novak, as I said, won for. Uh, the Nebula for her mm-hmm. first book last year. I forget if Spinning Silver won. Uh, I'll have to check. Spinning Silver, I know, was up for a Goodreads Choice Awards. That was it. You're right. Yes. Martha Wells, who we interviewed, has been here for uh, quite some time as well. uh, Yeah. Many different series, Mm -hmm. as we'll talk about. So, no, there's there's some names in here. I was kind of disappointed with the the graphic novel section because it just seems like every year, Monstrous, Paper Girls, Saga, it's just like the next volume is nominated. And it's like, okay, but... That's I think we've covered this pretty extensively yeah. over the last several That's years. That's the problem with uh, giving a, uh, what's the right word, serialized, maybe? Yeah. Uh, monthly thing like yeah. that. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to... And you know. I was actually pretty disappointed with the best dramatic uh, short form because uh, Star Trek Discovery got nothing. Yeah. Sorry, man. And two episodes of The Good Place got stuff. Yeah. Two episodes of Doctor Who. And there were some great sci-fi in uh, yeah. in Star Trek Discovery. The first season, which yeah. would have been eligible for these awards. So, I don't know. Some of the things were a little puzzling about it, but we'll get into that a little I'm bit sorry, more uh, when we do a special spotlight. The on movies goes. Uh, that w- are nominated are Annihilation, uh, Avengers Infinity oh, War, Black Panther, A Quiet Place, Sorry to Bother You, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I have not seen Sorry to Bother You. Have Me you? either. I didn't realize that was sci-fi. Based, on, based on these, like right now, mm-hmm. I would give it to Annihilation. Yeah. I think that's yeah. I mean, I think that is the most sci-fi yeah. of it, but uh, I don't know. Black Panthers win lots of awards, so yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't feel particularly sci-fi to me. But no, Wakanda's very no. I know, sci-fi. I know. It's the I guess, uh, Afrofuturism. Yeah, yeah. I guess Annihilation is maybe just more traditional. Yeah, as far as like the so maybe it won't win because of that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why Avengers: Infinity War is on here, so. Well, I mean, they're in space a yeah, lot of the time. I don't know. Every time I see an Avengers movie, I'm like, that's not going to win. I know. I know. I feel the same way. So. Oh, well. I guess you had a f- there had to be other better movies than Avengers. Than, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, th- I thought the whole list was a little odd this year. Uh, but maybe I'll feel differently when uh, I do a little more digging into it. You know what they it. say? No, I don't. Oh. You're not sure either? No, I, was I, was hoping, I was supposed I was hoping to know. you would have you really the gamble. answer to what they say. You are embarrassing me in front of Martha Wells. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's do it. Let's we do interviewed it. Martha Wells, multi-award winning, 
and nominated. I, I found her because we got the Murderbot Diaries, mm-hmm. which had also been up for some awards. And so I read through those. Those are four books, about 200 pages each. So they're, they're very quick reads. But I really like them. So we reached out to Martha Wells herself and asked if she would give us an interview on that. Well, she just has such a diverse background catalog. I mean, yes. when you look at Yeah, she has a lot of different fantasy and sci-fi yeah. books that we we didn't even talk about in the interview. No, we did we didn't so. dig into them very much. So, so um has he, written Stargate Atlantis. She uh, has. Yep. Tie-ins. Co- couple of Stargate Star Atlantis, Wars. So Star Wars and that's where I first became familiar with her work because Razor's Edge. Um the old before Disney took over, we talked we covered this a little bit in the interview, but yeah. uh they were setting out to have a a, a top-tier big name sci-fi author do a, a Star Wars book and they only right. got through two before Disney. Mm took over so i'd read the han solo one and then more recently uh read martha wells uh, razor's edge here right so that was how i initially knew her and then i kind of dug in a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, and of course we've, we've talked about her uh due to her hugo nominations mm-hmm. her nebula nominations her hugo uh, award mm-hmm. so well, we've talked about her quite a bit so it was interesting to read a little bit more and then of course to sit down and chat with her yeah. so All right, everybody, we are here with uh, author Martha Wells, uh, and we we got a couple of questions for her. We're going to be talking mainly about uh, the Murderbot Diaries, uh, which I've uh, talked about and Nick has read uh, last week, even. Yeah. Um, So uh, we just have a few questions. We'll go for there. Nick and I were both wondering about this question where you, uh, Murderbot, uh, or Rin, uh, as they're sometimes called, is a very apprehensive character, has a very doesn't want to get involved, involved attitude. And I'm wondering if what's the challenge there to actually get the character involved and engaging with the, the, the plot of the book when really they're, they're over it. And Murderbot himself or uh, itself would rather just sit and watch television. Well, it's usually... I have to give Murderbot something it absolutely has to do, right. uh, especially in the first book, the or not the first book, the uh, artificial condition, when it's basically free and it could do whatever it wants. Right. It has decided before it can kind of move on, it has to find out what actually happened to it in the past. Right. So it's just a matter of giving it motivations that are realistic for the character. Um, I think in later books, there's one or in the the. Rogue Protocol, which is the next book, it's or the next novella, it has to, um, it needs to help Doctor Mensah with something that it feels like, um, it's it again. If, if it does that, it can close that chapter of its life. Right. So it's basically just about giving it motivations that fit with the character. Sure. Um, does that mean the first book was easier to write than the uh, than maybe the middle two? Yes, it was. Um, I'm not really sure why the first book I, I wrote it or the it's a novella so it's under under forty thousand words. Right. Um, I think they it it took me about a month to write it, which is is pretty good for me. Uh, I thought the others would be about that quick, right. and they each took three or four times as long. Oh, wow. Part of the problem is the character's perspective is so complicated when its ability to see from security cameras and right. to get into different systems. So you really have to take all that information into account. Mm-hmm. Action scenes a lot more complicated. Right. Um, well, then I, I, um, that actually leads into a question I have about um, writing novellas versus novels. What's the, the biggest difference here for some of our listeners who, uh, 
who maybe aren't so familiar with novellas, what's the difference for you for writing them? Uh, why did you choose to do that for Murderbot? And does that uh, affect maybe making Murderbot a series versus a standalone? Well, um, a novella is basically around 30 to 40,000 words, which is about one-third to one-fourth at the size of a normal book. Right. I think the copies we have in our collection are about 200 pages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Um, novellas have been a, 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 in science fiction, fantasy has been a, a form for a long time. Right, they absolutely. They kind of went out of fashion for a while because they were expensive to produce. Mm. But once ebooks started up, they kind of started up again. And mm -hmm. actually, the publisher, Tor.com, uh, does some novel length work, but primarily it's a novella publisher. Um, okay. The reason I did Murderbot that way was because it was originally a short, going to be a short story. It was going to be a short story with a sad ending. Okay. I was writing it. It really started to feel like this needs more. I, this needs a longer length. I, um, it needs, um, you know, it needed more story there. And so a novella length was pretty perfect for it. Um, I didn't originally think about doing it as a series until um, the publisher had, well, they wanted two, and I was like, I really enjoy writing this, so I mm -hmm. really did do another one. And then when I ended up doing four, and I'm actually doing a novel now for the okay. series. The difference is you kind of have to control your subplots. In a novel, you have a lot more time to kind of right. bring in a lot of different detail and a different, you know, explore a lot of different avenues and right. and. And with a novella, you kind of really have to keep to your main plot to a large extent. Sure. Uh, I wanted to sort of circle back to something we were talking about earlier, and that's just sort of the personification, the character of Murderbot. And when I picked it up, I I was uh, I was instantly hooked by Murderbot's kind of bad attitude. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that was a really, that was a, I thought that was a clever way to make the story feel really fresh and make that character just compelling and, and very readable you know I just I like I wanted to know what it was going to do next and I, I enjoyed its kind of commentary on sitting back and watching like people be stupid and you know <laughs> uh, and I just wondered as a writer um, you know what is that process like is it is it fun is it fun for you to write somebody who has kind of a chip on their shoulder is it a is it an interesting exercise yeah, it, it, it really is fun. It's just basically, um, I usually, in my other books, I've written in the third person a lot. Mm -hmm. um, with Murderbot, it really started where every kind of mean or sarcastic thing I thought of, instead of trying <laughs> to suppress it, I just put it on the page yeah. uh, from that character's perspective. And that was a lot of fun. It does. It's very cathartic in a lot of ways. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I really, like I said, I, I kind of related to that character, so I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Maybe I have a bad attitude. <laughs> Maybe. But but sticking with the character, so uh, Eric Eric read these quite a while ago, and I'm, I'm newer to this series. And as we were discussing it, just the two of us, I kept referring to Murderbot as a she, and Eric was kept saying he, you know, and then we were like, well, did one of us read this wrong? You know, what what is it? So we looked it up, and of course, uh, it's it's without gender. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about about that. Uh, was that just sort of a necessity because it's a partially robotic character, or did you have a specific thought in mind about doing that, sort of taking gender away from it? Well, as I first started writing it, it started to seem like it would it it was just natural and logical for a character that was a constructed life form that was not in actually intended to be anything but sure. you know do this this one task mm -hmm. that it wouldn't have a gender and um when i got into the part of the story where it was talking about the uh, the comfort units mm -hmm. and it has a real issue in realizing that 
it's pure luck that it was meant for security and not for <laughs> this. Right. And so as kind of a real, um, almost, almost a real fear of, uh, being put in that position. Right. So that's what, one of the reasons why it's very comfortable with not having any kind of, uh, sexuality, not having any kind of gender. Mm-hmm. So from your, from your standpoint as the writer, is that, does that present certain challenges? Have you found you got to a spot and you you really have to sort of lean in one direction or the other, or is it just you know is it just just work for the character and so it's not an issue for you? It's really not an issue. You just kind of have to. It's it's I'm I've been writing for a long time, so I'm fairly used to um, trying to imagine you know completely different physicalities and completely mm-hmm. sure. different uh, mental systems. So um, it's it really wasn't a problem. Okay. In terms of the other, uh, the robots in this other story, like Art and uh, and Mickey, I'm interested in what it's like to write them because uh, the general premise of Murderbot is that they are free uh, to do their own thing. Uh, they've gone, they've got rid of their uh, their blockade, so now they can just be themselves, basically. But uh, Murderbot still interacts with other robots who aren't that who aren't free. But you still end up giving characters like Art and Mickey personalities, and I just wonder, like, how do you do that with the restrictions that those characters still have? Well, um, Art doesn't really have a lot of restrictions. I'm not sure Murderbot completely understands that when it's mm. interacting with Art. Uh, Art is basically like HAL 9000, except <laughs> not, not completely homicidal. Right. Uh, or you know the impression of how nine thousand. I think the character in the book was actually is was actually different. But right. um, so it's it's a very very powerful entity basically. Um, Mickey is more like the conventional idea of what a companion robot would be like, right. um, which is stands out very dramatically in this world because so many uh, of the bots are not treated like that or, or are not are not viewed that way. And also, Mickey comes kind of from outside the the corporation rim, which is kind of the other the other territories out there, which you don't really or the reader doesn't and Murderbot doesn't really know anything about at this point. Right. I found with like Art and Mickey, there's almost like a dog sense of loyalty and sense of purpose in them. It is. They do have a, I wouldn't call it necessarily dog-like, but they right. do have a sense of purpose. And this is kind of a thing that makes them different from humans. Mm-hmm. Their purpose is ingrained in their existence. And mm-hmm. sometimes humans have to kind of find a purpose for themselves. Right. They're basically created or born with this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone asked me at one point, you know, was, is caring about people, is them caring about people programming or is it real? Mm. And it's sort of, well, it's when it's part of your existence, it's how you're created. uh, That's real. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of what I go into a bit in the books is, is how different their existence is from human existence. Right. Well, I guess on that, it is Murderbot's sense of, uh, is Murderbot's bad attitude, I guess, maybe part of. (laughs) Uh, they're a robot now without a purpose. They have to make their own purpose and find their own purpose. And so all these other robots it meets are uh, so much seem so much happier and fulfilled, and because they have one. And now Murderbot doesn't. Is, was that uh, was that an idea you were using? Yeah. Uh, also, Murderbot is part lo- partly bot and partly human, right. which is what causes most of its problems. Right. Yes. Uh, and it's designed for a specific purpose, but with all the constraints on it, mm-hmm. uh, it was not really able to do that purpose effectively. Right. 
Um, and that's kind of one of the things is when it gets free, one of the things it, it, it feels compelled to do is the security work and but doing it in a much more effective way than it was able to do it when it was basically, you know, an enslaved being that had to do exactly what it was told as opposed to and try to, you know, do its job under those constraints when um, it's actually a lot more effective when it's free. Right. Well, uh, I know outside of Murderbot, you have quite a few uh, other series and, and things that you're working on, a lot of short stories and um, a couple different novel series. I wanted to ask, what is the difference between when you're doing something that is part of your own, you know, just coming out of your own imagination where you have this complete freedom to explore uh, worlds and characters and that sort of thing. How does that differ from when you're working in something like, uh, you know, an established uh, series? Like, I know you've done a couple of Stargates, you've done a Star Wars. How does that differ from when you just sort of have your own, you know, sandbox to play in? Um, I think it's harder to do, to work in someone else's established series because okay. you try to get things right. And that often, like, there can be a huge volume of material that you have to work with, Um it depends on if it's a created fantasy series or if it's partially based in the real world. That can be more difficult mm -hmm. because you have to do a lot of real world, you know, research on these real world and also the fantasy aspects that people have already established. You have to try to get the characterization right. You have to try if it's something where it's um, a TV or movie, you have to try to get the voices right. That the, then usually the actors have a lot to do with that. You And you right, have yeah. to try to. <laughs> yeah convey those performances in prose. So it, so it's actually a lot harder mm -hmm. than your original world where you can basically do whatever you want. My book club just finished doing uh, Razor's Edge, your Star Wars books, and I thought that you did a really nice job of capturing Leia in particular. And I wondered, uh, you know, I know I know that was the beginning of the, uh, the, the publisher was getting some, you know, bigger name sci-fi authors to work on that. And then when the whole Disney thing, uh, that kind of stopped yeah. afterwards. And I wondered, was that something that they reached out to you and asked if you wanted to write Star Wars, or was it something that you were looking into, or how did that how did that come about? Yes, yeah, so they they reached out to me through my agent. Okay. I had, um, they, I think they were trying to do uh, basically um, Star a, a Star Wars series yeah. where different science fiction writers would do each one, mm -hmm. and um, it was going to be me and James S. A. Corey was going to do we did the second one. Yeah, and I read I read his console. And there was, I think there were some others planned, but they only, um, but yeah, it got stopped before it really got started, basically. Yeah, yeah. Did you choose the, did you choose a Leia focus or was that what they approached you for? No, they asked me for a Leia book and originally I think it was just going to be just Leia and then they changed their mind a bit and decided they wanted the whole group mm -hmm. um, in each story or, you know, but it would focus on one particular character more. Well, that's all the questions we have. You've been very generous with your time this morning. Oh, you. Thank you for asking me. I enjoyed it. Got your whole uh, Murderbot collection at our, our library, and I've enjoyed reading through those. And I'm I'm hoping some of our, our listeners are going to now pick them up for the first time. And are there any other books? If somebody had just picked up your Murderbot series for the, uh, the first time, is there one of your other books you might direct them to? I know you said you're doing a Murderbot novel soon. Yeah, the novel, the, number, the Murderbot novel is going to be called Network Effect, and it will come out next year in May. Okay. Um, the series I have that's complete now, well, the my, all my other series are complete, but right. uh, this recent one is the it starts with the Cloud Roads. Okay. Um, it's a it's a five book fantasy series with two books of novellas and short stories, and it's uh, all all available now in um, either hardback or trade paperback and um, ebook and audiobook. 
except for the last one. The last one isn't out in the audiobook yet. It's it's going to be re-released in uh, trade or in mass market paperback. The okay. first at least starting in this November, so it'll be much easier to find in in uh, paperback. But it's all out there in ebooks. So. All right. Well, thank you again for doing this. It's been a lot of fun uh, asking you these questions. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Martha Wells, for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. Uh, and just a reminder, her, her book, Artificial Condition, which is book two of four in the Murderbot uh, Diaries novellas, mm-hmm. is up for both a Hugo Award, which those awards will be announced in August, and a Nebula Award, and those will be announced next month. So we'll be talking about that a little bit more next month when that happens. Yay. The new book, The Network Effect, which is a full-length Murderbot uh novel will be coming out as uh she said yep next year also they're going to be collecting i'm not sure when but they're going to be collecting the four murderbot uh novellas into one. Oh, okay so. great well in the meantime we have uh quite a large selection of uh, martha wells work right here at the david a howe public library mm-hmm. and all the others of course available throughout our system so right. if you'd like to read any or all of these we can hook you up mm-hmm. For more on Martha Wells, you can check out her website, which is just nice and simple, MarthaWells.com, or you can find her over on Twitter at MarthaWells1. Uh, any library news that you want to talk about before any we close up shop? News. Uh, oh, this we're collecting photos now for the, the Teen, teen photo, photo Show. This show. is it. Yeah. This is the week. Bring in your photos then, you teens, you... Hmm. Uh, What's the what's the speech? I shouldn't I, reference things. I just don't know. The speech, I don't know. give me your... Oh, you know what? I'm trying to reference the uh, Statue of Liberty. The statue that I don't think that seems that doesn't seem applicable <laughs> okay, well, or appropriate if we're being honest. All right, bring me your photos. All right, we got a couple of concerts coming up. We have the End of Our Ecumenical Choir, who's going to be here doing their Lenten concert. Uh-huh. Uh, that's on the twelfth, mm-hmm. and then we have a returning group, the Sorrow Estate. Uh, right. That's going to be later in April next month. Yeah, you know what? I just s- I bought a house last week, but hmm, unfortunately, it's a non sequitur. It's a so- it's a Sorrow Estate. Ah, uh, so, okay, pretty. It's pretty rough go. Well, thank you for that. No problem. Uh, <laughs> That's for free. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, so Sorrow State's coming next uh, later in the month. And then uh-huh. next month, we have uh-huh. a special uh, theatrical performance of Treasure Island, a two-person take on Treasure Island. So Eric and Jessica and I are, are going to be... in it. No. No. But we're going to be reading Treasure Island, doing mm-hmm. a special spotlight on it, because none of us have read it. Would you want to be Captain Hook or Jim? Uh, Captain Long John Silver, you mean? Yeah. Uh, silver. Yeah, I think I go silver now. Okay. I think I've aged out of Jim. You could pull Jim. Thank you. Shave that shave that beard. Yeah. Pop your voice up just a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, gee. Boy, it's my first time on a ship there, sir. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you. Uh, I've not read the book, though I have read the anime or the illustrated classic. I have seen Muppet Treasure Island. I have Island. seen Muppet <laughs> Treasure Island many a time. I've seen Treasure Planet. Yeah, I have too. Not great. Yeah, it's it's the Goo Goo Dolls are in it. They do. Yeah, they do have a great song in there. Uh, so that's going to do it for that. The book clubs are currently reading Big Little Lies, which is the last of our endless winter book club for the year. And Boy, this is the first time I've told a lie this big. Yeah, it's you're really selling it. The Sci-Fi Book Club is currently reading Artemis by Andy Weir. Yeah, and that is not until the thirtieth. So you have plenty of time to read that book yeah. and join us for a fun chat on Andy Weir's It'll Artemis. Be a fun chat. And I think that's going to do it for this week. Thanks again to Martha Wells, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.